podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Psalms 139. As you're turning there, I want you to remember these three things. First, Psalms is about formation and not information, right? If we went through this summer and all we got was just information, we really missed what we're trying to aim at, right? We missed the target here. But if we were formed by the Psalms, which I believe we were, if we were shaped and formed by the Psalms, then I I really believe we entered into it. I love what Dallas Willard said. He says, if you bury yourself in the Psalms, you'll emerge knowing God and understanding life. The second thing is we want you to understand that these Psalms, you will come out knowing God and knowing who you are. You're going to see that in today. particularly as we enter into Psalms 139. The deeper you know God, the more you will see yourself. Three is we're called to enter into the Psalms. We're entering into the Psalms. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says our habit is to talk about God, not to him. We love discussing God, and the Psalms resist these discussions. But it provides for us a place to enter into with all of the saints, enter into this hymn book, if you will, and that we would sing with all the saints of all of history these psalms. And so the call for us in this room is there's a tendency when we go to church or this service to just watch others as they lead us rather than feeling the burden as the people of God to enter into what God is doing. I pray that we resist that and that we are entering into these psalms together let's stand as we read psalms 139 psalms 139 i'm going to try to read it slow and clearly and i want you to either follow along or close your eyes and just listen but we're going to end our study of psalms with psalms 139 remember these are the words of the lord oh lord you have searched me and know me You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to know. It's high. I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day and the darkness is light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows very well. My frame was hidden from you. Then I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If 
If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God, oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against the malicious intent. Your eye, your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them as my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, what, what, I, what I want us to grab from this text as we're doing meditations on Psalms, there's a tendency for, for me to preach rather than meditate. Here's what I mean by that. We're, we're doing a different practice this summer in different ways is to meditate on the Psalms rather than to just proclaim them, which is not a bad thing. It's just one of the ways in which we've decided to approach it by me not doing all the meditations. You've seen different preachers up here, which I'm telling you, one thing I have seen over this summer is we have a really deep bench. There's been a lot of people who've done an incredible job. And then the prayers at the end where people who have been meditating, coming and praying uh, over these Psalms, the things that they've been praying, more people on stage so that it doesn't just become information. I have preached this text multiple times. I used to work um, for Crisis Pregnancy Center, and they love Psalms 139. They've kind of coined this the sanctity of human life chapter in the Bible. Um, as much as I can see it there, I also struggle because um, Psalms 139 has far more to do, uh, far more vastness than just dealing with abortion, although I believe it does. And as I've approached this text, there's a tendency in me to say, man, I, I really know Psalms 139. I've preached it multiple times as I was working Crisis Pregnancy Center. A tendency to go, let me just go to what's familiar. But as I was meditating on this, the Lord was really opening up some things that actually brought out uh, some, some thoughts in me. And I'll try to walk through them quickly. One is the more... I get into, and I'm going to use quotes here, theological circles, the more I start to realize that in a lot of people's minds, theology or good doctrine is for the educated and the smart. I used a lot of quotes there. And the reason why is because I have personally grown exhausted on talking about highly theological things as if if I have one more debate with somebody the lights gonna go off and they're really gonna understand it because the reality is these doctrines about who God is which if you heard Psalms and I want you to see it Psalms 139 it is highly theological Highly theological. But what I love about Psalms 139 is not how highly theological it is, but how highly personal Dave 
David makes these theological points. Here's here's what I want you to hear about me. I believe, and you're going to see these, I believe in the omniscience of God. I believe God knows everything. I believe that. And I believe in the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere. I believe that he is everywhere and you cannot get away from him. I believe that God is sovereign. That means I believe God is in control and has mapped out everything. I believe all of that, but it's not just because it's up here. Those truths have changed the very recesses of my heart. I lived a very self-righteous life, not knowing who I was, constantly trying to earn God's value and God's grace and love. I was continually trying to prove myself to a God who had already done the work to, to sanctify me and give me grace. I was continually living in this mode of pride and self-righteousness. I was trapped and far from God, but because of his grace he rescued me and the gospel has made me a new creation i am not just sitting here thinking wow i know this about god these things have become highly personal to me why because i've been set free because of who god is And what I want us to see in Psalms 139 is I don't want to spend time today trying to debate with us over these theological truths. I want us to enter into what does it mean if these things are true? How highly personal this is for me. Look at the first stanza of this song. He says, O Lord, You have searched me and know me. This is just a statement of truth. You have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You know what's ahead of me. You know what my dreams are. You know all of my ways. Before I even say a word, you know what I'm about to say. I could try to swap it on you and say something else, but you already knew I was going to do that. Oh, wait, here tricky to say this oh you already knew that he knew exactly what i was going to say before those words were even on my tongue you put together my past my present and my future all of it you know now what i love about the smart or intellectual is they would love to just sit down and debate this thing till kingdom come. Now, what does that actually mean? How much can God actually know? And what does that mean about God if he does know all those things? Sit around and argue and debate and figure out how much can God actually know. But I love how David approaches this in verse 6. He doesn't even enter into the debate. He says, Ah, uh, these, these thoughts, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high, I'll never be able to attain it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me to know. Here is, here is what we miss when we try to understand God. 
When we try to take God and his truths and the reality of who he is, and we try to fit him into our understanding, here is what we miss. We miss worship. That's what we miss. We miss the reality that he is God and knows everything, and it's just too wonderful for me to understand. I cannot even attain it. It's too high for me. Here is the pursuit when we're going after this kind of knowledge is to be God. The reality that God knows everything. This theological term of om, uh, omniscience. The reality is this thought if rightly heard, should blow our minds. First stanza will start you, your mind getting blown. Second stanza of the song is we're trying to clap and sing along with David. He goes into the omnipresence of God. Because here's what happens when you really start to get into the omniscience of God, the reality that he knows everything. You realize, I cannot escape God's knowledge. Then the second thing you realize is you cannot escape God's presence. There's something about a God who knows everything that makes sinful people want to run from him. If he knows everything, I got to get out of here. So they try to run. Where do we see that? Well, we see that in the very first sin in the garden, Genesis chapter 3. The very first time humanity sins, what do they want to do? They want to cover their nakedness and go hide. Here's what happens every time we know that God knows what we're doing. We want to cover our nakedness, but we always choose fig leaves. You know fig leaves don't cover really well, right? There's always a gap, you know? <laughs> Something's showing. And what else? We want to hide. Every time we get the clue that God knows something in us and about us, and we experience this often, how many of us know that God knows the deepest sin of our hearts and know the reality that if I go to our, his word, something's going to be exposed in me and things are going to come out. And if I go to him in prayer, he's going to bring these things that I've been trying to hide. And so what do we do? We stay away from him. Why? Fig leaves and hiding. But here's what David says in this second stanza. Where can I run? Where can I run from your spirit? Where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, in exclamation point, God's there! Well, of course, David, that's the obvious one. God is in heaven. I mean, all of us think of God being in heaven. If I go to the heavens, God is there. But if I go to the place of Sheol, the place of death, if I go to the pits of hell, God's there. 
you would never think he's there. You know all those places you go where there's death and destruction and sin and anxiety and pain, where you think you're away from God's presence? He's there. If I go all the way to the east, <laughs> that's the, the wings of dawn is in verse 9, all the way to the east, or if I go all the way to the west, the remote parts of the sea, He's there. He's there. So I can't get away from him. I can't go too high. Oh, I wish I had an organ right now. I can't go too low. Oh, my goodness. Y'all brought it out of me today. Woo! I can't go too far. I know what I'll do. I'll go where it's dark. I can't go where it's too dark because wherever there's darkness, it's light for God. There's nothing too dark. Since God is everywhere, theologically omnipresent, personally to David, here's what this means. If God is everywhere, how does he approach this? How does he personalize God's omnipresence? He says, well, I could try to hide from it, but verse 10 says, your hand is everywhere, so I'm going to look to you for leadership. You hold me. You lead me. You guide me. I can't get away, even in the darkest places, even in the death parts of the, no matter where it is, you're leading me and you're guiding me. We could sit around and try to debate this till kingdom come, but God is everywhere. But that's personal, friends. That means in all of those places, his leadership, his guidance, his hand of holding, his protection, it's there. The third stanza, he, dumps, he jumps, I think, into the harder one that we love to argue about. He basically titles this third stanza, I can't escape from God's power or sovereignty. This is the omnipotence and sovereignty of God. If you want to put it in theological terms, here's what he says. God has knit me together and created me. He formed me before I was even formed. And he's writing a book that, is, that I didn't even know about before I came in. And that book is still being written. And the pages are already God is making this story. And I'm just a part of it. And he knows and has mapped out all of it. Uh, Psalms 13 through 18 says, you know, my inward parts, you knit me together. I'll praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. I was being made in secret. I was intricately woven, woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes may, un, my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them. Church. God is all-powerful and all-sovereign. 
I, I get it. I get it. I've had the debates. I get it. We want to try to figure this out. How sovereign is he? How powerful is he? Let's try, let's, try, let's try to work through this. Let's try to get understanding. Let's try to grasp it. David doesn't go there. He doesn't even feel the necessity to, to validate our confusion, our struggle. Psalms 139 takes these lofty doctrines and brings them to this place. He finds in God's sovereignty and power something that I found. I don't have to be in control anymore. And believe me, that's good news for me. Because I tried for a long time. I tried to write my own story. I tried to put on my own thing. I tried to make everything the way I wanted to be. I tried to control my life and everybody's life in it. I tried to be God. Every time I failed, I'd blame everybody else and I'd try to figure out a way in which they all stood and all the haters are against me. I tried to live my life in control of everything. And when God said, I'm God, I knew you before you even knew anything. I formed it. I've already written the book. It's all mapped out. Um, what does he say? In that, I find who I am. Look at what he says. I praise you. Because that means I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because that means all that has been set into motion and all that has been written and all the things you are in control. I praise you. That kind of understanding of who God was was highly personal because it led him to a place of praise. See, when people try to argue these things and try to work through them, I don't have anything against it. Let's talk. Let's work through it. But unless we get to a place of praise, we've ended on the wrong spot. Because these things about who God is, His omniscience, His omnipresence, His omnipotence, His sovereignty should leave us in such a place of praise. And this is why it goes into a weird stanza. I mean, he's singing about, you know everything. You, you, you're everywhere. You're in control of everything. And then it goes to kill everybody who hates you. <laughs> I, uh, I've tried to get Kyle to add that verse into many of our songs on Sunday morning, where oh, I worship you, Lord. You're in control, your love and your grace, and kill everybody in this room who doesn't believe in you. You know, he's refused to put it in there. Can you imagine singing that song with the whole church, and then all of a sudden, just I hate everybody, let's kill them? You know, it just comes out of nowhere. The reality of this section shows the reality of how people respond to the truths of who God is. 
Oh, we could talk all day about how God knows everything, how he is everywhere, how he's in control of everything, but there's only going to come down to a couple of responses. One will be, I hate God because he is that way. I have heard so many people talk about, if God is this way, I want nothing to do with him. Just read an article this week. Painting a picture of taking all of these truths about God, turning it around on him, and making him out to be evil. There are so many people who listen to these types of truths, and all it leads to is them being an enemy of God. Why? Well, ultimately, it's a power struggle. Ultimately, they want to know everything. They want to be in control, and they don't want to worship. They want to be worshiped, right? That's the ultimate thing. But reality is not everybody responds to the truths about who God is. And this is what David is saying. Look, there's those who out there who know these things, and they hate you, and I hate them. I love that David understands God so much that he could bring out the very recesses of his heart before him. We're just so used to like plastic Christianity where we even feel like before God we have to say the right thing. He brings out this absolute anger that's there towards those who hate God. But then he demonstrates this other response that I hope all of us will see. Because here is another response. When somebody hears that God is everywhere and that God knows everything and that God is in control and that he is sovereign, here's what a lot of people argue. It's, well, if that's true about God, then nobody ever does anything. People just go, well, fine. I'll just, if God's in control, then I just won't do anything. I won't participate. He's done everything, so I might as well just sit around and do nothing. And what you see in this text is an absolute true response to understanding about who God is. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says something so powerful. Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. This is how he starts the song. And then he ends it with a different prayer. Lord, search me. Know my heart. Try and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in ways of everlasting. Here's what you have to get about this. He could have just said, well, Lord, you already know everything. You've already searched every part of me. You already know every grievous way in me, so I don't have to do anything. No, his response to knowing that God knew everything and was everywhere was this. Search me. Why? Because there's a huge difference between knowing God knows everything and wanting him to know everything. Huge difference. There's a huge difference between knowing God is everywhere and wanting Him to be everywhere. That's the difference between those who hate God for who He is and those who surrender to God. Surrender means this. I know you already know everything. but know everything about me. 
dig up everything that's in my heart. I'm not going to fight against you. I want you to know every part of me. Search me. Know me. Find anything in me. Reveal to me all the things that were in and lead me in ways everlasting. He could have just said, well, I already know. You already know what I'm about to do. You're going to lead me wherever you want. No, he's asking him for leadership, even though he knows God will always lead. This is a true act of praise, a true act of response, a true act of understanding that these things about God do not lead us to forfeit. They lead us to great participation in God's work and in what he's doing. Here's the question then. Do you know that God knows everything about you? When's the last time you've laid before him and said, God, expose everything. Why are you still trying to hide from the God who knows everything? Do you know God is everywhere? Yes. When's the last time you've asked him, show me where I need to go? Lead me. I want to follow you. This kind of response to the truths of who God is leads us to a place of going, I know you're sovereign. I know you've formed me. I know you've written everything. But I lay myself on the x-ray table. Open me up. I surrender. Many of us find ourselves in a place of knowing the truths of God and continually trying to fight against them as enemies rather than surrendering to a God who is leading me, who knows every one of your thoughts, who even though you are known, you are deeply loved. Who, who, no matter where you have gone, has held you and led you. Who, although he has written everything, and we've tried to fight against his sovereign will over and over and over again, that he takes us and he continues to work his plan together. The first thing we need to see when we look at the truths of who God is, is here is right response. Right response is not just, well, fine, you know everything, forget it, I'm checking out. Right response is this. First, I must constantly expose my inner life to God. He already knows it. Surrender. Expose the very deep parts of your heart. God, search me, know me, reveal to me anything in me. Second is this, you must constantly yield your whole life to God, saying, God, lead me, guide me. Today, as these two that have meditated on Psalms 139 come to pray, 
I hope that what you hear as I heard in the first service is how much God is working in us as a community as different ones meditate on this. And I pray that we enter into the prayers with them. So Jamie's going to come first. Here's what I want us to do is just enter into prayer with them. And then I'm going to come back up when they're done and lead us in communion. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jamie. Um, When they asked me to do Psalm 139, this is one that I thought I had pegged down pretty well. This is, in my thought, this is just the anti-abortion psalm. Um, If anything, if it was going to do anything, it would probably just stir me to want God's justice on other people. But instead, I was led to a place where I desired mercy for myself from God. Um, That was kind of the context I was coming from, that this is just a psalm that I can grab facts from and maintain a safe distance so that I don't have to be convicted, um, that I can fake holiness and mock God. And in that, I kind of encountered, like, what is the greatest desire of my heart is to be both known and loved by others, but especially by my maker. Because as I was meditating on this, to be known but not loved is completely crushing and brutal. And to be loved without being known is completely unsatisfying because it's not me being loved, but a false image I've erected of myself. And so if you can enter into this prayer with me, um, that God would expose us. God, in fear, I'm asking that you don't search and that you don't know. But God, I'm afraid of what you'll find of what you already know. You know my sin, my anger, bitterness, unbelief, disappointment, selfishness, pride, and the other things that are against you. How could you be good and know me and still love me? God, you're bringing me to a place where you have reminded me that your love for me is based on your character and not mine that you love me, not because of me, but in spite of me, and it's because of who you are that you're perfect and I'm not. God, I, I don't understand, but for the first time in a long time, I don't need to. My obedience doesn't need to be predicated or proved on some perfect knowledge of you, but I do know beyond knowing that your mercy is deep and your kindness is beyond what I deserve. You have led me to a place where I am content to not know you as you know me. God, my seeking of knowledge of you is not coming from a place of wanting to worship you, but wanting to become you and take your place, to make you like me and to make you small and controllable. God, at my moments of sin, you are there and I am known and loved. God, in my moments of victory through your son, you are there and I am known and loved. At the moment where I would wish to hide from you and that you would just leave me alone, you are there and I am known and I am loved. At the moment when I am in community, you are there and I am known and I am loved. God, you deserve to be praised because I know no one else who can love and know me in such a complete way. I cannot hide anything from you, but you still will not reject me. God, I'm like the woman at the well who you know my faults before I even begin to lie to you about them. You're still there. 
God, at first I was afraid that I couldn't hide from you, but I found that there's no better refuge but yourself. God, you are great and greatly to be praised for your kindness, that you never leave me, for your compassion, for your mercy, your love, none of which I deserve, but I'm freely given in your son. And God, I look to him to say in confidence, please search me, please know me having confidence that he is he and his blood will cover all my faults that you'll look at me not as your enemy but a son that you'll care for me lead for me discipline me guide me know me love me god that you will be sufficient to be my god and that you'll care for me god i ask you to be a god and to make me small and to make you bigger and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, my name is Alyssa, for those of you who don't know who I am. Um, and uh, I was given Psalm 139 about a month ago, a month and a half. And when they told me I was doing Psalm 139, um, I kind of laughed because this psalm is a psalm that my Bible, when I flop it on my bed, it automatically opens to. It's scribbled on and drawn and highlighted and um, is genuinely a psalm that I need every single day. Um, if I were to be honest with you and uh, be vulnerable with you, um, something that I struggle with on a pretty daily basis is um, struggling with whether I'm adequate, um, whether I'm enough, whether I have value at all. Um, and I go about my days uh, working to be adequate, working to be valuable, um, and trying to find those things in me and things that I do. And um, kind of being in a place where I was uh, expected to meditate this, meditate on this psalm every single night. It was me going through my day and struggling with, am I adequate, Lord? Am I, am I good enough? Am I valuable in, in being in an, an employee and being a student and being a daughter and being a sister? Am I, am I adequate? Um, but coming to this psalm every single night, it, it stilled me. It, it's, it, it'll, it forced me to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow him to do the work. It allowed me to be free from the control. Um, and I also read this alongside Ruth and Hosea, which are also very beautiful pictures of the God that we serve. And um, it just was a great reminder of the character of my God that even if I run from the goodness of who God is, he is there. Or even if I lay at his feet, the goodness of at, a, at my Savior's feet, he's there. Um, so with that, here's uh, some of my thoughts that I've accumulated over the, next over the past month and a half. Lord, I know me. I know the dark places that my mind can wander, and I know the sins that plague me. I, I know my depravity well. Yet you search me, and you see my greatest ailments, my weakest points, my flaws. 
I am bare and vulnerable before you, and yet you still lavish me with your affection. I'm absolutely stunned by this reality. You know the deepest corners and crevices of my being, the ones that I have yet to even ponder or understand myself. You know the intentions of my heart, the thoughts that bounce around in my head, and even my smallest daily habits. Not only do you recognize them, but you're acquainted with them intimately and completely. There is nothing that you do not understand about me, and there is nothing that you do not see. And despite all of that, despite all of that, you still choose me. It, it blows my mind. God, you're so good. You're so pure. You're so holy, and you, and you know me completely and still choose me anyways. You do. I just... Not only that, but you call me your daughter. You call me your beloved, and you delight in me. You've labeled me as yours, and you've betrothed me to belong to you for eternity. Anything that is good in me, I can attribute to the craft of your hand, because you were the one that intricately designed me, and you are the one that continues to work in me. All the days of my life, from the days that I've had and the days that I've yet to come, you have been there. You're in every single one of them. The fact that you are a God that is mindful of me, that is a truth that grips me to my core and it shakes me. It is all too wonderful for me to understand. Lord, I am valuable because you call me valuable. I am adequate because of the body that was broken for me and the blood that was shed for me. In this I am paid for, and in this I am enough. Not a day goes by that you don't see me. Not a day goes by that you don't walk with me. Not a day goes by that you don't dwell with me. No matter if I try to cower in darkness or if I expose myself to the mercies of light, far and wide, Lord, you are there. Nothing is hidden from you. So I let praise escape from these undeserved lips because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful because, God, you are wonderful. May my soul know that well. And may the enemies that try to oppose these truths be silenced. Lead us, your body, in your ways and guide our steps. And every day make us deeper lovers of you. Amen. the ushers come to pass out communion, here's what I'm going to ask. If God is all-knowing, why are you trying to understand that? Why are you trying to just figure that out? What would it mean for you today to just have a thought that's too wonderful for you to know. If God is omnipresent, if he's everywhere, and you can't escape from his presence, why are you still trying to run from him and hide from him? If God is sovereign and powerful, creator of all things, why are you still trying to be in control, map out your own life, 
today? Are we going to respond to God with hatred or with surrender? Jesus embodied perfect surrender. He was fully surrendered to his Father. He knows all. He's everywhere. He's made everything. He's in control. But today, let's respond with surrender. Some of us need to hear this. Before you take communion, Corinthians says that we should examine ourselves. That if we eat with not examining ourselves, then we're actually drinking judgment. That as you hold this cup in your hands, your prayer should be, search me, know me. Guys, I know that in this room there's many of you who have known sins. I don't have to explain it. It's right on the front of your mind. You are actively participating in rebellion against God. You know it. Everybody knows it. It's known sin. Repent of it. You're still running. You're still trying to hide. Repent of that known sin. But there's others of you in this room who have hidden faults, things you don't even know, sins that are there that you don't even know, that are unconfessed sins that have been forgotten and you've just left them hidden and you don't even know because they're not on the forefront of your mind. And today you need to pray, Lord, expose any areas of me that are grievous against you. Show me those areas presumptuous sins presumptuous sin meaning this some of you know you're sinning but you're presuming upon the grace of God you're just saying well God's gracious so I'll just do whatever I want you've cheapened the very grace and mercy of God let's come with surrender and before you partake in this let's look to this screen and pray this prayer together. Then the band's going to be able to begin singing and then we're going to partake in communion. Let's pray this together. Search me, Lord. Declare my innocence, even from my hidden faults. Search me, Lord. Keep me from sinning in ways that show that I've taken your mercy and your grace for granted. Keep me from the dominating effects of these sins. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.